Welcome back to The Run Home. Wonderful to have your company on this Monday morning. And listen, we've alluded to this before. I wouldn't call myself a petrolhead. I think my appreciation for motorsport has gone uh, through the roof over uh, the last what, five or ten years. Uh, compared to where it used to be, I certainly have always admired um, the, the sport and dr- found myself drawn uh, to the to the big showpieces around the, the Michael Schumacher era. How could you not? But where we've found Formula One feel has felt like a little tired for me. And it's not his fault, but a lot of the reason for that for me is Max Verstappen. He's got such uh, an ownership over this competition. His performance at Las Vegas felt like a different driver to me. God, he's good. Damn, he's good. But usually he feels like the front runner who's got things under control. Uh, and producer Brad, who uh, who lapped up every moment he could of this and is a renowned uh, lover of, uh, of petrol, it felt like a very different performance from Max Verstappen. He was forced into it, and he, he showed a, a whole lot of ticker, I think, to win that race. Yeah. Uh, first of all, thank you to Formula One for scheduling that race at the perfect uh, viewing time for uh, New Zealand. Uh, so New we, Zealand, we do yeah, appreciate sure that. Um, but but yeah, look, I, I agree with you, Sam. Uh, it was it was one of Verstappen's best performances of the season because he was pushed and pushed hard. Jeez, uh, and and look, Perez brought himself up from what was it eleventh? Was it? Uh, yeah, he was in eleventh place. Oh, no, no, Perez. Yeah, Perez was further a bit further down there. He got a terrible start. Was at the back of the grid. That was probably Sergio's best drive of the year as well, Sam. Yeah, and, and just I was I was thoroughly impressed with uh, Charles Leclerc as well. I thought he did fantastic and getting himself in contention. That late late brace run to uh, to finish second as well. Just look, the number of times uh, fate seemed to be conspiring against him. Uh, it's it's hard to say. It's it, it, hard to say who could how they could have performed any better. But to take a deeper dive into this Las Vegas Grand Prix, uh, of course, it, there was so much so much to go through. There was that major track issue in the first practice session. Saw it canned after about ten minutes as we were live on air on the run home uh, last week, as well as of course the lawsuit that's now being filed by fans who were kicked out of that second practice session, which is just amazing. Leading to be uh, up to watch practice to two thirty in the morning, leading to a lot of complaints, but. The drivers ultimately delivered when it came to the race. One of the best and closest fought of the season. Won again by Verstappen, as we said. As many lead changes as we have seen during any race in 2023. To discuss it, we're joined by Speed Cafe's Formula 1 editor and Matt Koch. And uh, Matt, do you think that Vegas, after all the drama, after all the ups and downs, eventually did it deliver? G'day, yeah. Look, it, it did deliver on, on Sunday, and, and we're probably lucky it did. Um because otherwise we would have been having a very different conversation right now, I imagine. It was a bizarre build-up to... I mean, you mentioned it was an extraordinary race. It absolutely was. We had action from turn one right through to the last turn with Sergio Perez and Charles Leclerc battling for for second. A close finish, lead changes. It wasn't a foregone conclusion that Red Bull and Max Verstappen were going to win like it's been so often the case. So it absolutely delivered. And then you look a little bit further back... And you've got a brilliant drive from from Oscar Piastri that wasn't rewarded. Uh, mistakes by by drivers that shook the order up a little bit. A little bit of unreliability as well. It had a smattering of everything. And looking at the track on paper, you're going, oh, it's going to be boring. It's not going to produce much much in the way of racing. But quite the contrary proved to be the case. So we ended up with a fabulous weekend of racing after what started out like it was going to be one of the worst weekends for Formula One that it could possibly imagine. Well, it, it was heading towards being a 
debacle, an, an absolute shambles for, for the sport internationally, left ignorant face and allowed for the kind of headlines that Formula One just would absolutely be furious about seeing. But the, the drivers seem to save it as much as anything else to me, Matt. And you mentioned that track being basic. Do you think that the drivers would have changed their tune on it by the end of the race and a, more of an appreciation of the type of racing it brought out? That was a common consensus from the drivers speaking post-race. They were all complaining about a lack of grip on the uh, the actual surface itself. There wasn't much in the way of, of grip for them. It was a very simple circuit to drive. There wasn't much in the way of driving enjoyment. But parking that to one side, the actual racing element of the uh of sunday or sunday evening um saturday evening I'm, I'm so used to it being a sunday race that saturday evening it proved to be you know a really good track for that and it's probably a case of the long straights with quite simple sequences leading into them allowed cars to follow allowed them to slipstream one another you know the low grip generated mistakes there was just enough technicality in some of the corners to to encourage drivers to overstep there were bumps in the track as well that caught caught lando norris out you wrap all that up and the drivers are actually quite enthused with the race afterwards they don't necessarily like the track for its driving pleasure but they were all enthused by the racing element of it and i i, I can't think of a driver throughout the field that said that no that was a boring race and i didn't enjoy it because i, I was on my own with not much to do yeah no, listen i uh, was speaking uh, with speed cafe's formula one editor and matt Cox and Matt, the, the visuals so i i would consider myself a casual fan uh and as i was watching uh it, i described it earlier on it's feeling like the the scene in uh star wars where all the x-wings are crashing into the uh, the sides of the uh, the sides of the Death Star, where it's just this, this, these bright colours and the uh, uh, the colours most shooting at you when you're looking at it from the driver's perspective as well as suddenly wheels flying left, right and centre with the crashes. <laughs> Vi- visually, it was pretty amazing uh, with as far as the LED, the LED lights, the, the pit area um, and that, that straight when it came to the strip. Is it, are you a fan of it? Is it too gimmicky? Is it literally done just for a, a, to that video game look that does it kind of takes away from the, the spectacle? I'm a little bit on the fence here. Uh, I don't think it was visual enough in that being held at night, obviously there's limited things that they can do, but you know, Las Vegas, it's glitzy, it's glamorous, there's lots happening. But watching the race itself, other than those couple of glimpses, you had the sphere and then a couple of signs down, down the strip, it, it could be anywhere. There are a couple of camera angles that you look at it and think, oh yeah, that's Saudi Arabia, but it, it's not, it's Las Vegas. So, I think the television production probably didn't do the circuit justice. Uh, my colleague Ian Parks was was on the ground. I wasn't there this weekend, unfortunately, but my colleague Ian Parks was on the ground and said that you couldn't hold it during the day and sort of capitalise on that because there's nothing to look at. He, he actually suggested that Las Vegas during the day is quite beige. So it's got to be a night race, but in doing that, you shroud all the really cool stuff in darkness because a human eye is better than than television camera in a lot of respects in terms of picking that up. So how you capitalise on that is 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 complicated. And I think they didn't nail it this year. There's there's glimpses of what it can be, but I think they need to work on some camera angles and and some of the uh, the other bits and pieces around it to really to really lift that. Even the even the marketing of Formula One in Las Vegas, I was told, was quite underwhelming. But then I guess 
you know, how do you stand out in Vegas where everyone by default is trying to stand out? So it's uh, it's it's a tough one, but it was a really good production from Formula One. Um, and I say that knowing all the on-track problems that I had, if you just look at the production, the opening ceremony, you know, that, that bizarre podium procedure that they had with the, <laughs> the cool down car um it was very vegas and for those, for those, for those who didn't see it they, they were well, the drivers transported to the to Lazio, weren't they and then brought back to, yes. to the for the podium like what the actual hell <laughs> yeah yeah it was it was quite odd then there was a, a fountain sequence and all sorts of things that were going off behind them afterwards it, it was very over the top very vegas and and what that'll do, we've seen this in other events like the Dutch Grand Prix, they, they'll sort of turn that into a dance party when the cars aren't on track. That's forced other promoters elsewhere to follow suit a little bit. So what Formula One, because Formula One promotes the Las Vegas Grand Prix, it's the only Grand Prix that it, it manages itself, it will start pushing the envelope in various places and other promoters will start following suit. So while it'll take lead from you know, the Dutch Grand Prix or the Australian Grand Prix or whatever, others will start to take the lead from Las Vegas as well. And so you get that growth through the, uh, the sport and the, the fan experience everywhere will, will lift. So the production of it was, was excellent. The on-track, the, there's issues there that have been around for a long time that haven't been sorted that probably really need to be sorted because Formula One has, you said, a little bit of egg on face. That's not Formula One's fault. Formula One is just a commercial entity that runs the sport of Formula One, which is actually owned by by the FIA, and uh, the FIA is on track, is many, uh, responsible for everything on track. So as soon as the cars roll out of the garage, that's the FIA's responsibility. So it wasn't the FIA's fault that the track failed, but it was their responsibility. The problem is they don't carry the can for that. Formula One does. So it's uh, it's a bit of an awkward one. Look, it's super messy. And look, given the fact that Nevadans didn't want it there in the first place, right? They're unhappy with the whole uh, scenario. Mm. There's this lawsuit <laughs> that's pending uh, for for punters who couldn't get into a, a cancelled session. You're driving through the middle of the night, which has got to raise some kind of safety concerns for the for the drivers and the pit crews being awake at that time, racing another 24 hour races. There's, there's precedent, but there's a lot there's a lot of elements here that clearly aren't working well that'll need to be addressed. Is this salvageable? Does this does this event see out? A 10-year contract yeah, it's absolutely salvageable what we're talking about a little one percent deals that, that need to be tightened up now the exhaustion and fatigue was is a critical issue um this year it's the penultimate race of a 22 race calendar it's you know the first of a back-to-back there's been a couple of weeks off next year it's the first event in a in a triple header to end the year it's it's event 22 of 24. So the fatigue's going to be there already. They can't afford to race it at midnight again or, or be on track at 4 a.m. like they were on uh, on Friday morning. Sorting out the the spectator access, having, you know, the reason they were kicked out of the uh, the track before second practice was because of the, the union nature of the United States employment um, system is just that they'd reached the end of what they were allowed to work. They had to be sent home, and that meant that the fans had to go home because they had no security. Um, so sorting those sorts of things out, probably bringing the race uh, time forward and qualifying forward maybe to, to 8 o'clock uh, rather than 10 o'clock or 10 o'clock rather than midnight, bring that forward a couple of hours will help as well. You know, They're doing it to try and hit the market in, in Europe, but 
you know, they're trying to crack the United States. Europe's already won. You don't need to try and win fans there. They're already watching. So put it on at a better time in the United States. And these are little things that they'll learn as they go along. But they're, they're lessons that you look at Formula One and say, oh, it's been going for 70 years. They should know this. But Formula One and Formula One, by that I mean Liberty Media, has never promoted an event before. There's always been external parties that do that for them and Liberty Media charges them an arm and a leg um, and a kidney and a lung and a few other body parts as well, the amount of money that they charge to host a race. This is the first event that Liberty itself has has put on. So there's lessons that they're going to learn this year and then probably next year. It'll get better year on year. It's guaranteed for three years. The intent is to run it for, for a minimum of 10 percent. 500 million US getting this thing up and running, 200 and something odd just on the, the groundwork and the uh, and the pit complex. It's a huge amount of money that they've invested here and it is a little bit of a loss leader. But what yeah. we've seen, what we saw on Sunday, I think shows that the raw ingredients are there. We haven't quite got the mix exactly right, but the raw ingredients are there for it to be an absolutely bonkers, brilliant event in future. Yeah, I don't think anyone's going to forget it in a hurry, will they, as well, this uh, debut. Speed Cafe's Formula 1 editor, Matt Koch, always grateful for your time. Thanks so much for joining the show. You are listening to The Run Home, thanks to MG Motor New Zealand, the all-new MG4 electric X-Power, the most powerful MG to arrive in New Zealand. Still to come this hour, we'll take a look at the TAB Sports Update situation with Pumuate, and then just after four, we're going to look back to that Cricket World Cup final.